Welcome to the Sparkly Squirrel Show, a podcast on productivity for working moms and any other humans who want to be more intentional and present at work and at home. I'm your host, Joni Yai, a physician leader and certified time management coach, super thrilled to share practical strategies to help you have time for all the things, to stay focused, and to avoid those sparkly squirrels. Want to work with me to go from overwhelmed to always knowing the next one thing to focus on? Message me next, N-E-X-T, on Instagram at betamama, B-E-T-A-M-O-M-M-A, and we'll figure out how you can live your best working mom life. Oh, and just a disclaimer, while I am a physician, your use of this podcast or any social media interactions do not establish a doctor-patient relationship. Need medical advice? Ask your doctor. Need time management tips? Well, let's get started. On to the juicy productivity strategies. Hello. So today we are going to talk about how to overcome mom guilt. So many of the working women that I talk to say that that is the one thing that really uh, gets to them when they are trying to get things done, whether they're at home or at work. Um, So they know how they want to spend their time. They know what they want to do in their career. They have goals. They know that they want to spend more time with their kids, but when they're at home, then they're thinking about work, and when they're at work, they're thinking about their kids, and they just want to know how can they overcome mom guilt so they can be more present and in the moment. So I want to preface this episode by saying that we could do better in America, and that's where I'm recording from, for parental leave. We do come in last in terms of our maternity leave policies, And while there are some IC companies in the last few years improving on that, and my own organization is now offering six weeks of, uh, I think six weeks, four or six weeks of fully paid leave without using some sort of short-term disability or PTO, just flat out get four to six weeks of paid uh, parental leave. I don't remember exactly how many, uh, but that was a win. And, you know, still we could do better. And so while we could give our parents, uh, the moms and dads in our society, more time with the children, um, which shows that there are improvements in behavior. There are definitely benefits for maternity health. There are also benefits for uh, kids getting more vaccines on time if their parents have more time off. Lots of benefits. And of course, that leads to more women staying in the workforce because they don't have to leave their jobs. They can stay. Um, and have that leave, which means that then the there are more women um, uh, helping their families, uh, increasing their family income, and that of course leads to overall economy growth. So it is good for our society, and we need to continue to advocate for making things better. However, at the moment, it is what it is, and how can we uh, shift things so that we can control what's within our power to control. And that's what we're gonna talk about. We should continue to advocate, but what can we do um, in the situation that we're in? So there are some studies um, that show that moms who work have kids who have better outcomes at school. So at, uh, I believe this was a um, um, literature review that was published in, let's see, 2010, 
uh, in the American Psychological Association uh, publication, um, maybe Psychological Bulletin, I think. And it shows that for maternal employment during years two and three, their kids had higher levels of achievement compared to moms who were not working outside the home. Um, they take a look at a lot of studies, so I'm not exactly sure if they accounted for moms who worked um, from home and kind of what the salary uh, levels were or ranges were. Um, but there is consolation for us that if we are working, then where kids are racking up IQ points <laughs> um, because it does help them be um, more responsible. So they probably will have some responsibilities at home and they have to be uh, flexible because sometimes the parents' schedules are not uh, always predictable and they have to be creative with how they problem solve. So you have to kind of solve problems for themselves. And even when I am home and my kids ask me um, silly questions, uh, I may have shared this on a previous episode as well. I tell them, don't ask mommy stupid questions. And while it seems kind of funny um, <laughs> and, and maybe a little mean, what I'm trying to do is help my kids come up with their own solutions and to trust themselves. So sometimes one of my kids, especially the one with anxiety, will ask, well, what do you think? Or uh, because my mom has a lot of opinions and a lot of times they're good and sometimes I'm just not ready to hear them. But um, my oldest one, she'll, the one with the anxiety, she'll ask, well, what, what would grandma think about that? You know, especially if she knows that maybe my mom didn't approve of, you know, wouldn't approve of something that we were going to do. Um, and I, I want her to trust herself at the end of the day, when she grows up, my opinion, grandma's opinion does not matter. Uh, she may ask us for, you know, our input and, um, you know, or maybe we will offer our input, but I want her to be able to trust herself and make decisions on her own. And uh, because this may not just be us that will be offering her opinions, there will be probably other people and messages in society that will giving, be giving her opinions. And I want her to trust herself um, to know what her answer is. And because I'm working and I have many decisions to make outside the home, um, I'm a pediatrician, so I have decisions to make, especially about health that are very important for my patients. And I'm also a physician leader. I'm the lead physician in my office. So I have to make scheduling decisions and budgeting decisions. And th that makes me very decision fatigued at the end of the day, which... Um, <laughs> makes it very easy for me to say, hey, listen, you know what? These are not um, life-threatening questions. Uh, you may decide on the answers yourself. Don't ask mommy stupid questions. And so already I'm trying to train her to um, <laughs> come up with her own solutions. And that's not even when I'm not home. Of course, when I'm not home, they're forced to make their own decisions. But even when I'm home, um, I give them opportunities to make their own decisions. So they're not always relying on me. So I hope that my kids can become more independent. And, and of course, if I you know, wasn't working or for parents who aren't working, we can also implement these um, ideas um, so that our kids aren't always reliant on us. So studies show that uh, kids with working moms do well cognitively. Um, so the first thing, how do we overcome mom guilt, is to remember that our kids will thrive. Um, at the end of the day, our kids 
are not going to be taking their SATs and wondering if we're home or not. They're just going to be focusing on their SATs, on their work, on you know their job interviews. Um, that's not going to really factor in. Like they weren't thinking like, okay, did mom go to every single after you know school act or um, school activity? Did she uh, go to every single um, sporting event? right? They're going to be focusing on what they need to focus on and they're going to be smarter and more responsible and more creative with problem solving uh, when we do work outside of the home. So that's one thing to remember. Our kids are going to thrive, right? Uh, But at the same time, then there was another study that showed working moms compensated for not being at home by and not having that quantity time with their kids by replacing with quality. So making sure that the time they have with their kids um, is very meaningful. So how can we do that? That's the next thing that I wanted to talk about. So the first point is that our kids will thrive even though we're working. Um, And so it's a good thing for our kids when we're working. And then the second is how do we make the most of the time together so that we have quality time when we can't have quantity. And I have three tips for this. So the first one is to uh, describe what kids are doing. So to make statements. Now, I do ask my kids a lot of questions to find out more about themselves, uh, for, for me to find out more about them and to connect with them. But I know that as they get older, they get very tired of the questions. Um, and then for the babies, you know, the toddlers, they can't quite answer questions, right? So I think that this is a really great tip that works for all the, across all ages of kids, is to describe what they are doing. Make a statement because it's not threatening. It's not asking them to pay attention to us. We're just, but it also shows that we're noticing what they're doing. We're paying attention to them. Well, without uh, asking them to pay attention in turn to us. So what that looks like is for the baby or the toddler to say, oh, wow, you're playing in your kitchen. Um, you're really going at your foot <laughs> and trying to gnaw your toes off. Um, I think one of my one of my kids um, did that, but it is really cute to watch. Um, or, oh, look, you're stacking the yellow block on top of the red block. Um, and I... This is also a tip that I recommend um, to increase the connection time with younger kids for parents uh, because then we're not trying to guide their play. We're just trying to integrate ourselves into their play. Um, And so we're spending time with them, but also not trying to lead them. We're letting them lead. And so just by describing. And when we describe, they also hear our language. So just a little pediatrician tip there. Um, And for the... Um, oh well, for the kids who are maybe school age, it's oh, um, I like that. I see that you're wearing a, you know, um, your new shirt, or I see that you're wearing those black boots. Um, I see that you're um, enjoying the movie. Um, so just describing what they're doing. I noticed you. Um, um, playing a video game with, you know, so-and-so. Um, and then, of course, for the older kids, it's kind of similar. So just describing what they're doing. Um, oh, I see that you switched up your bracelet. I see that you put on an eyeliner. I see that you put on a mascara. I see that you um, 
Uh, let's see what else my kids are eating cereal. <laughs> I see that you're eating Captain Crunch. I mean, it's just simple stuff, but it's not asking our kids of anything. And so it's just us kind of paying attention to our kids and just making a statement about them. And that's one quick way. I mean, how long does it take to come up with um, one of those statements, right? I'll give you maybe five seconds to think about it and like two seconds to say it. It doesn't take much time. And so if we don't have a lot of time to spend with our kids, that's okay because doing this takes like literally less than 10 seconds. And we all have 10 seconds. Um, so just make a statement about your kids. And then the second thing is to put away the phone. So I don't know if any of you um, have turned off the notifications on your phones. I never have notifications on my phone. And sometimes I even mute some conversations um, on my phone. And honestly, like I'm on my phone a lot. So even if I mute a conversation, I'm still checking <laughs> my phone pretty frequently to see if there's messages. Um, so even if I, I may not know within like 10 minutes of a message being sent, but I will know within 30 minutes and there's probably no emergency. And if there was, someone would be calling me. Um, so, so putting our phones away, putting those notifications away is another way that we can be more present and increase the quality time that we're spending with our kids so that we're really trying to focus more on them and there's no uh, external distractions. Now, internally, we may still be thinking about work or, um, about something that happened at work, about a conversation, and that's okay. But at least we can try not to introduce any new distractions. So no new notifications or messages or phone calls. Even if it's for five minutes, it doesn't take much time to have that quality time with our kids, to have that connection. It's all about building a connection with our kids. So putting the phone away. And even at work, right? And so I know sometimes the, of course, most of the women that I've talked to who have kids, they're thinking about how can they be more present at home? But some of the women are also thinking about how can I be more present at work? So I'm not just thinking about my kids. Um, and one way um, is also to put away our phones um, at work too. So we're, we can be like looking at that, you know, team member, looking at them in the eye and really just focusing on what they're saying about their weekend and, you know, asking them about their kids, right? So that we're not um, tempted to go out through our phones and look through all the fun videos of our kids and, you know, um, and then be sad that we're not there. Um, or sometimes I know that um, if you have a nanny, that the nanny or the caregiver will send um, pictures or texts. I know that on my phone, I get um, emails uh, about um, photos that the p teachers posted. They're usually uh, the dojo um, notifications on my or emails that come through and then I have to click um, to see the photos and I know that most of the time when I get a dojo email from a teacher is because they posted photos of the kids and so putting away my phone allows me to stay more present at work so I'm not then tempted to check in uh, with my kids to see what they're doing and I can look at the photos later All right so putting away our phones even if it's for five or ten minutes like I know it's hard and we're all addicted to our phones, but five, 10 minutes makes a big difference when we're just 100% connected. Um, and I know for some of us, when we have our phones, we're kind of tempted to check those lab results, right? Or to check the work emails. So again, putting the phone away decreases that temptation to think about work. Then the last thing is to have a daily ritual with our kids. And Remember how I talked about earlier about how I have like decision fatigue? So I tell my kids like, listen, don't ask mommy any stupid questions. 
Having a daily ritual also helps with our decision fatigue as women because then you don't have to decide what to do to have that positive connection with your kids because you already know it's already a habit that you have established. Now, it may take some time to get the habit going, um, maybe 21 to 90 days to be consistent before it becomes very much a muscle memory or like brain memory um, to not have to really think about it. But when we have a ritual, that means it's something that we do on a regular basis. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. So I have some ideas uh, for daily rituals that we can do to increase that connection with our kids and increase um, the quality time that we spend with them. We can take a walk after dinner together and a walk doesn't have to be long. Like my neighborhood is not very big and so just to circle around takes maybe like probably like seven minutes maybe if we walk slowly. Um, um, Bath time for the younger kids Um, so maybe like having like a special toy or sing a special song during bath time every single time and you know kids love repetition they're not gonna be bothered now we will probably be tired of this ritual before they are and if they love it then you know what we're gonna be fine with it Um, so having like a regular ritual during bath time helps us increase that connection with our kids we can have a special handshake um, so I know my kids are, are learning like handshakes at school right now because they're in elementary school. They love doing that. So they're teaching me and then, you know, they can make it up. Um, so including our kids into this decision process helps too. Uh, we can have a special bye, uh, goodbye saying. And so you can kind of go down the alphabet maybe when you're waiting for the bus or you're waiting to, to drop off your kids at car line um, or maybe as you're getting ready and packing up all your stuff, um, your kids are saying bye to you, you can just have a goodbye game where you're saying all the bye-bye to like different animals going down the alphabet. So bye-bye alligator. And then your you know kid can then say like the next um, letter B, uh, bye-bye birdie, bye-bye, um, see now like um, cat, bye-bye dog, bye-bye elephant, bye-bye, you know, whatever's next. Um, I'm totally blanking on animals now. <laughs> Um, but that could be some, uh, you know, a little small game to play. And bigger games can be part of the daily ritual. So maybe once a week you're playing bo- a board game with your kid and it rotates who chooses that board game. So incorporating them into this decision process or um, a game like a sports game. So throwing a ball around or um, playing um, like a relay race game or, or something like that. Um, f- volunteering together, finding a joke. I'm not very good at um creating jokes myself, but sometimes I will uh, Google a joke and then I'll tell it to my kids. And it's really funny when they try to um, make up their own joke in return because it's (laughs) actually not very funny, but they're working on it. They're trying. (laughs) Um, Another one is to, I think I mentioned volunteering together um, and just uh, letting the kids take the lead on this. And this is one thing that we talk about in my coaching program is how to Um, how to spend more time with our kids even without changing our schedules and how to find our own kids strengths so that uh, we can harness that to come up with things to do together Um, so just to review so far we talked about how to overcome mom guilt one is to remember that we may not need to overcome it because our kids are going it's a good thing our kids are going to be smarter and um, perform better academically academically with a working mom and then three ways to connect with them so that the uh, time that we spend 
together, even if it can't be more with quantity, can be with quality. Um, and then the last one is to ask ourselves, is having mom guilt really a problem? Because at the end of the day, why is there mom guilt? Yeah, think about that. Why, why do we have guilt anyway? Is it because we've been told by society that we have to do this or that, that we should be this or should be that, that we, you know, there are plenty of articles showing how women carry more um, workload at home and the chores that we do are the silent chores that aren't as uh, readily visible than the chores that uh, a, a guy does. Of course, this is like, you know, heterosexual relationship, right? So kind of thinking like, okay, but is having that guilt a problem like maybe it's not a problem with us it's a problem with society right and that's not something that we can fix so having that mom guilt just means that we're living in a society that has that gives moms messages that aren't necessarily healthy or necessary it's not so much a problem with us so like how do we sit with that discomfort discomfort right if mom guilt is an artificial society problem then maybe it's not such a bad thing to sit with a artificial problem because it's not really a problem to begin with. And so kind of asking ourselves, you know, is it is a problem? At the end of the day, if if we're sitting um and playing a card game with our kids and we are we've already put away the phone and while we're waiting for the kids to decide on their next move, because sometimes it does seem like it takes forever, uh, where, you know, our brain is going back to a conversation at work. Like, is that, is that such, it, does it, is it a problem? Like, do we need to fix every single thought that we have? Um, or if we're at work and we have to, kind of and we're worried about something about the kids and we're wondering like oh do they remember their water bottle or like oh you know I have a long day and I really miss my kids is that a problem so kind of thinking back like maybe it's not maybe maybe that mom guilt isn't always something we have to overcome like it doesn't we don't maybe there are times when we just have to let it go and be like oh okay these are just thoughts and just be like a fly in the wall and just notice the thoughts but not, but don't judge them. It's always hard to take the first step. So I want to know, and I want to cheer you on, what is a small action that you can take from this episode? Message me mom guilt on Instagram at beta mama to let me know. Let me know what is one small step you can take to overcome mom guilt or figure out a way to uh, circumvent mom guilt right? Like sometimes we just can't banish it all together, but we can figure out ways to live with it and for it to not be a problem. Uh, what are some ways that you can connect more with your kids? So what was your small, one small takeaway? If you have a big takeaway, I would love to hear about it too. Um, or if there's something you just don't agree with in this episode, I would love that feedback. So message me, mom guilt, to let me know what your thoughts are about this episode. Uh, what's the hardest thing for you? to overcome with mom guilt. Did I address that? Or is there something I didn't quite hit on uh, that I can um, answer or address at a future episode? So message me mom guilt at beta mama. I look forward to hearing from you and cheering you on. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sparkly Squirrel podcast. I want you to know that I truly appreciate you for being here. 
Now, let's power our dreams and possibilities with action. What is the action you took or plan to take from this episode? Saying out loud or writing it down increases the chance of getting it done. I would love to hear from you and help you with accountability. Send me a DM on Instagram at betamama, B-E-T-A-M-O-M-M-A, with the episode code word and the action you took or planned to take. It'll be so much fun to cheer you on. Have a lovely day being present and moving forward on your agenda.